Forgotten Corner podcast would not exist without our listeners. If you enjoy the work we are doing on this show and would like to support further, please consider a donation through our Patreon account, patreon.com backslash forgottencornerpod, or visit our website, forgottencornerpod.com. special episode for Gotten Corner today. Uh, I'm Jeremy here. Um, my Hebrew name is uh, Yermiyahu, uh, which literally uh, translates to Jeremiah. And uh, we've got a very special episode because it's Scott Schmidt's bar mitzvah. Scott, how, how does it feel to be the bar mitzvah boy? I'm very excited. I hear you get lots of stuff. Yeah, um, you do. Are you Are you ready to read your Torah portion? I mean, obviously, yeah. I know what the Torah is. If, does that help? So I can yeah, like read. Good, I can read from that one of those five books. Well, no, but you have to like sing it, right? You didn't take bar mitzvah lessons. <laughs> no, I didn't uh, become an honorary Jew until I was sixteen. Oh, so it's a bit. But uh, we're so making I, up for that. Um, so let's hear it. Nope. <laughs> Like, I don't know what you were hoping for, but I didn't prepare. Can we yeah, move on? Uh, well, the, the Parsha of the week is uh, Vayishlach, which I think is uh, is from the book of Exodus. Can I get a fact check on that? I don't think Mo even understands the words he just used. Yeah. So well, some that's a easy. great way to describe the show that we have today. So I'm going to just stop you right there because we... We're awful at this. Anyway, uh, we want to welcome you guys today to uh, our Hanukkah special, which there's a couple of cool things about what we're doing here right now, because it's 10 a.m. on a Saturday at the moment, which uh, our main guest today tells us is a very interesting time to be starting uh, recording for a Hanukkah special. And uh, we're also releasing this on day one of eight of uh this year's hanukkah so we thought since my co-host jeremy is uh of the jewish faith and our best friend of the show dr roberto lexier is of the jewish faith and uh we figured maybe we should do a little special um where we talk to you guys a little bit about uh your faith and what it's been like to grow up where you have and uh some of the issues that face um Jewish people in both Alberta and the world today. So uh, we have a very special guest um, today. We have Dan Moser, who is the editor at the Alberta Jewish News. Um, if you uh, haven't uh, heard of that, they do some really great work up in Edmonton and Calgary, and uh, we're going to learn a lot about the communities in those cities today. Um, so this is kind of like our panel episode number two. Uh, and I'm going to uh, not do a lot of talking today. So, Dan, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you, Scott. And uh, mazel tov on your bar mitzvah, yashir koach. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing you recite your parasha. I know it's coming up soon. Um, like you said, it's kind of like an interesting time to be doing this because, you know, around 1030-ish is usually when, like, the, the, uh, the Torah portion of a Saturday morning service happens and we're we're just getting to be there right now. So, you know, 
as soon as you're done singing your parasha, we're going to pelt you with candies and it's going to be a great time. Wait, there's candy? Well, see, Jeremy, oh, yeah. lead with I the candy, man. I would have prepared for this. Yeah, for it's like sure. those like the, those like sun kissed candies. <laughs> yeah, it's like the terrible least... gummies that your grandma would have in like her purse or something like. I that. I don't care. I used to like be the kid that would chip off one of those hard candies out of the bowl in the coffee table. Like I don't give a shit. It's candy, you know. So I was down. I was down. So listen, we have a really good show today, and I'm really excited to ask the three of you. Uh, some questions and I, uh, our Forgotten Corner listeners are going to learn a lot today and we're really excited about that. And the, We always do sort of a life story segment uh, with our guests uh, uh, so our listeners kind of know who they're talking to. Uh, obviously, in the interest of time, we can't maybe do the 15-20 minute in-depth thing that we do, but I kind of want to go around the Zoom room this morning and ask each of you uh, to give a little bit about your background as it pertains to your Jewish faith and your Jewish identity. Uh, sort of as in how much was being Jewish part of your upbringing and, and, and how important it is to your identity today. So since uh, Dan is our uh, guest today, I'm going to throw it over to you, my friend, and uh, give us uh, a little bit of your story. Sure. So um, born in Edmonton uh, to Jewish parents in a Jewish household. Um, I went to, uh, to Talmud Torah for 10 years, which is the... Uh, the public slash private Jewish school in Edmonton. Um, went to Camp BB Reback in the summers, which is the Jewish summer camp that's uh, just outside Red Deer, Alberta in Pine Lake. Um, I was there during the tornado, which was pretty interesting. Um, let's see what else. I was in BBYO in high school, which is like Jewish youth group. Um, I was, I think the president of the Jewish Students Association in at U of A for one year, but mostly that was just booking hockey games for our Jewish Students Association hockey team. Um, I run the uh, the Jewish Edmonton Jewish Men's Hockey League, uh, which has been a hockey league in Edmonton for about 30 years. And then obviously uh, Alberta Jewish News is where I work. I'm the editor there, uh, formerly Edmonton Jewish News. That's uh, my family business. So we've been printing the newspaper for about 30 years now and uh, we just made the switch back in January to Alberta Jewish News uh, when we acquired the uh, Calgary Jewish Free Press and then uh, merged the two newspapers into one Alberta product. You know in in Medicine Hat and Jeremy can confirm this when we when we get to him but in Medicine Hat I think there's about 124 people on the census or 25 but one less now that uh, one fewer now that Jeremy's gone but I think that's about the total of of Jews in in Medicine Hat and we don't have such things like the Calgary Jewish Press or the Edmonton Jewish News uh, I, I think there's actually, um, based on what uh, older uh, Jewish people who've been around the hat for a while have told me, there's a lot less than uh, 120-something uh, Oh, really? Jews. It's just that there's a sort of the Messianic Jewish movement, also known as Jews for Jesus, which are essentially Christian groups that use the symbology and sort of language of Judaism to sort of uh, get Jews to, uh, you know, believe in Christ. And uh, I think there are more of them than there are like actual Jews in Medicine Hat. Um, but 
uh, I mean, you know, and I, I've written about this for uh, for Dan's paper. Uh, there isn't really any significant uh, Jewish communal life in Medicine Hat. In fact, um, there was sort of an effort to um, sort of, I guess, bring the community together. And uh, one of the individuals who spearheaded that has since uh, become a Messianic Jew. So it's all in uh, disarray. I mean, this is embarrassing, but do we have a synagogue in Medicine Hat? No, there was one until okay. 1999, I think, called Sons of Abraham. And then it closed down just because there was like no membership. It was like three people, you know, um, and it's kind of hard to sustain that. Uh, there could very well have been more than three people. You know, I was like nine years old then in uh, the suburbs of Toronto, which I guess leads to um, my Jewish upbringing, which was uh, uh, like if we if if we rated it out of five uh, Megan Davids, right, Star of Davids, right, um, it would it's like, at least a four at least a four i would say like four <laughs> and a half so i was raised in uh you know a very uh culturally jewish household um you know my parents weren't particularly observant they have their little like quirks like they don't eat pork they refuse to and they'll never admit that it's for like religious reasons because again they're not particularly observant but like it obviously is and um you know, my grandmother, my dad's mom uh, survived Auschwitz and uh, my dad's dad was actually a, uh, um, uh, uh, with the Canadian Air Force in Eastern Europe. And he sort of, uh, uh, you know, once the war was over and won for the Allies, he sort of went to a, uh, a, uh, a uh, Jewish uh, displaced persons camp to maybe, you know, meet a lady to take back to Canada with him and uh he met my grandmother and um I believe she was actually the first um Jewish war bride to come to Canada um there's a there was an article on her in the Toronto Star uh to that effect that's crazy yeah yeah I um and so um you know the, the sort of Judaism um, was, uh, I think, deeply instilled, um, particularly on my father's side of the family, but also uh, my mom's side. Uh, she's an American. She's from Detroit, actually. And um, I went to, like Dan, I went to a Jewish day school for a very long time. Um, I went to associated uh, Hebrew schools Um till grade nine and then I went to the community Hebrew Academy of Toronto um till grade 11 which at that point I I mean I, like all my friends growing up were Jewish like a hundred percent of them I mean the only non-Jews I knew until I was in like high school were like a few of my parents friends you know and and, and I found that very uh you know, I, there's a whole other world out there that I wasn't really getting to see because yeah. I was uh, going to this private school. Um, and 
yeah, and I would say uh, Jewish values, you know, were definitely a big part of my upbringing, though, I, I think, as we'll talk about later, uh, you know, Jewish values are pretty um, uh, flexible, right, very open to interpretation, at least from my perspective, and uh, 100%. Yeah. Um, so we've been on the show already at least 10 or more minutes here, and we haven't even said hello to Roberta. Uh, so I want to do that right now and uh, say hello to my good friend, uh, Roberta. How are you today? <laughs> hey, guys. Um, I'm good. I've just been sitting here enjoying the conversation. I totally just clued out to the fact that I hadn't even been introduced yet. But I did want to say mazel tov, Scott, and, uh, you know, welcome to, to being a man. And, and it's, it's good of you to join the adult world finally. I appreciate that very much. And I want to say before we go too much farther that um, your Jewish background was overlapped into my Jewish background a little bit, which of which I only have yours to uh, even claim. So when we met your family kind of uh, when we were in high school, your family uh, pseudo adopted me, let's say, and I spent a lot of time at your house, uh, lived there for uh, a period even. And so I got to participate in some of your um, Jewish upbringing. So I want to ask you about uh, about your background a little bit, and uh, I'll let you go. Sure, sounds good. Um, mine's quite different, actually, from, from the other gentlemen here, because I grew up in Regina. It's a very small Jewish community. I assume it's bigger than Medicine Hat, but not by a lot, or at least it wasn't um, when I was growing up. And so most of the people I knew growing up were not Jewish, um, but I did know every Jewish person in Regina. Um, we were a very small community. Um, and my so my dad had been born um, into a Jewish family, but I would argue he was basically an atheist, couldn't have cared less about any of it. Um, but my mom converted to marry my dad. Um, and so as a convert, um, on the one hand, Jew would often tell me that I was not actually Jewish um, because my mom was a convert, even though legally and officially I am, but whatever, I wasn't Jewish enough on the Jewish side. Um, but also with converts, they tend to kind of like what they're doing. I mean, she chose it in a way that my dad never did. And so it was really, really important to her. And she um, really wanted us to learn about the Jewish religion and the Jewish faith. And so she um, wanted us, uh, we went to Hebrew school twice a week uh, for our entire childhood. Um, we went to synagogue every Saturday. We were always there for the high holidays, every holiday. Um, and my mom would um, come into our classes where there would be you know one or two other Jews maybe in my school because we all lived in the same neighborhood but she would come in and teach the other kids about the holidays and Passover and bring in matzah and she'd teach them about Hanukkah and what it meant and and she was really big on kind of bringing people into our community and so we would have Passover seders that had maybe 24 people at them I think you were at the one Scott that was in the basement that like lined our whole basement and we had to like order dishes and plates and like four of us at the table were Jewish and the other 20 were not. <laughs> and it was really important to my mom to like teach that kind of cultural side. It wasn't the religious part. It was the cultural. So we wrote our own Haggadahs. We uh, made it all very political. It was very much um, this kind of 
big part of our lives, but very cultural in that sense and very um, kind of not evangelical in the sense of trying to convert people because Jews aren't big into that, but really trying to educate Fair. people on what it meant to be Jewish and 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 what it was that 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 was. She did, though, also say, like, once we turned 12 and had our bat mitzvahs, we could do whatever we wanted. She had converted. She wasn't going to try and force us to stay in anything. And so, like, we went to Hebrew school till the age of 12. I kind of think of it as Zionist training in, in many ways. Um, and I went to B'nai B'rith as well at Pine Lake. Um, I was in BBYO also. Um, but kind of, you know, 12 to after 12, I just sort of faded away. I don't really believe in much, but I do find now that I'm, I'm been out of it for a while that I kind of miss some of it. Like I miss Passover a lot. That's the one I really miss. And like, I, I made my mom send me a, a menorah this year for Hanukkah. Cause I, we don't sell, I'm married to a non-Jew, but we don't celebrate Christmas either. I hate all of it. So, um, <laughs> but I, I miss lighting candles, you know, that, that like quiet at the middle of the night when the candles are burning on the kitchen table. Like I miss that kind of stuff. So I have this weird Jewish history in some ways. Um, but I think it, it did really shape who I am in so many different ways. Well, that's one of the things I really like about um, learning about it was that it was more than religion, right? There was this culture side to it. And, and you could learn a lot about the Jewish culture without having to, you know, be really big into the, uh, you know, religious side of it. And I always, and that's one thing that I found really interesting growing up with it. I want to ask Dan now, um, um, we kind of alluded to it earlier and obviously uh, Jeremy and uh, Roberta talked about sort of the medicine hat and the Regina communities. Um, there must be a pretty vibrant Jewish community in Edmonton can you and maybe and I'm sure Calgary can you talk to that about that a little bit and and growing up in that sure um so first I'll just say that it's kind of interesting that um all three of us are definitely more on the culturally Jewish side than the religious Jewish side which I think is actually a pretty big trend inside of Judaism uh right now and it has been for a while it's kind of a, a movement away from um the god centricity of it all and more into just being culturally and, um, you know, there are just certain parts of our, of our, uh, of who we are that are very Jewish, like the way we talk and sometimes the way we look and the way we act and, and stuff like that. And, uh, it, it, and it's really what makes Judaism interesting and kind of unique. Um, as far as Edmonton goes, uh, the number that we say is usually around 5,000, uh, Jewish people in Edmonton, you know, there's a handful of synagogues, there's, you know, your, uh, it's like that the joke about, you know, you need one that you'll never go to and one that you'll go to. Uh, so there's, you know, the, the Orthodox one in the West End. There's a, a modern conservative one downtown and a reform synagogue downtown as well. And then also you've got Chabad and, and some other pockets here and there too. Um, the, I would say um, the community is not as vibrant as it used to be. Um, you're seeing numbers kind of go down as far as uh, overall participation and and in certain um, organizations too. Uh, the schools for one is a big one. Uh, right now there are two uh, Jewish day schools in Edmonton, one that's uh, more religious than the other one. And then the more religious one, Menorah Academy, is going to be shutting down at the end of the year. And they were, uh, they were I think, pre-K to 12, if I'm remembering correctly. 
Um, and Tomatora, which is uh, the more secular one, has also seen its numbers decline. Um, when I was a student there, the, um, you know, we had so many students that we had to build a new school in the West End uh, because of capacity. My grade six class was in a portable outside of the school. So, um, so now to see us go to a place where uh, we no longer have a junior high at the school and, uh, and class sizes continue to shrink. I mean, there was a joke at the start of the year that with the, with the pandemic and with class sizes being what they were, that Tomatora was in a unique situation where they didn't have to change much of anything because class sizes were so small. So uh, it's, it's not great to see, and I'm, I'm hoping things will rebound, but uh, I'm not exactly sure how that will look. So, and then as Is far there... as Calgary goes, oh, go um, ahead, yeah. Calgary seems to be more uh, on the upswing of things than Edmonton does just from what I've seen. And I'm, I'm mostly just like an outside observer because I don't spend as much time in Calgary as I had planned on again, because of pandemic stuff. We've just been doing this since January. Um, but from what I hear and what I see out of Calgary, there seems to be a lot more involvement in the community in terms of uh, uh, programs on a daily or weekly basis. I mean, they have a, a Jewish community center, which I think is a huge, uh, a huge key part of the community, which is something we don't have in Edmonton. It shut down when I was a kid. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's funny um, because you would think uh, based on the names of the two Jewish schools in Edmonton that Talmud Torah would be the more religious one and Menorah Academy would be more secular, but it's uh, the opposite, um, which I thought was uh, kind of funny. Do you mind uh, telling us a little bit about Alberta Jewish News? Um, like I, I was saying earlier, I mean, I feel... Being from Medicine Hat, I mean, we just we, we're not tapped into things like this. And like Jeremy said, there's not a very big Jewish community here. So you, you don't certainly if you're not Jewish, you don't hear about it very often. Right. Um, you said it's been around for 30 years. Yeah. Um, can you just talk about like what what did, what type of work do you guys do? Um, what sort of news are you covering? That kind of thing. Sure. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you like a brief history of the newspaper because I think it's it's a it's a cool story. Um, so basically, the the newspaper started the reason why a lot of newspapers start, which is that you know uh, somebody with some influence wants wants a platform, um, and they're tired of other people editing them or censoring them, so they start their own newspaper or get their own soapbox or whatever. Um, so in our case, it was a guy by the name of Barry Slosky who uh, was the owner of the San Francisco gift store chain. If you guys remember that from being a kid, it's where you would go to get like uh, yeah, gifts. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> posters and, you know, uh, fake credit cards and stuff like that, you know? Um, so he started the newspaper and he ran it for, uh, for about a year before he kind of realized he, he was in over his head and he, uh, he needed some help with it. So he uh, talked to my dad, who at the time was in the newspaper industry, and he was like, hey, I, I don't really know what I'm doing, um, especially in terms of collecting for, for advertising. Um, he had just been running all of these ads and not collecting on them, so the newspaper wasn't making any money. So, uh, so my dad said he would, he would take over the newspaper and, and take over the operations, but it would have to be legit, and he would have to buy it, and it would be his newspaper. So they worked out a deal. Uh, my dad bought the newspaper for a dollar, and uh, it's been in my family ever since. And we always had a, an agreement with Barry that he could have a column whenever he wanted, which sometimes would get us into trouble with, with the Jewish community. 
um, but it was always entertaining at the very least. And uh, yeah, so that was about 30 years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we, like I said, in January, we, we switched up and uh, became Alberta Jewish News. And we also did a lot of upgrades to our, our website and Facebook and stuff like that, which is something that Calgary really appreciated because uh, it had never been a, an online medium in Calgary. Um, yeah, and then as far as content, um, uh, some of our more popular stories are uh, every holiday edition, we ask uh, the various rabbis in Edmonton and Calgary to participate with a holiday column and people really do enjoy reading those. Um, we also do, you know, community news, um, usually from community organizations, let us give us kind of an update on what's going on in, at Talmud Torah, what's going on at Beth Israel, what's going on at Beth Sedek, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then um, thanks to uh, thanks to the local journalism initiative, uh, we've been able to hire people like Jeremy, uh, who's been giving us some really good content that people have been have been reading and enjoying quite a bit too about uh, you know Jewish communities in, in small pockets of Alberta, and then also kind of uh, touch on more of the uh, let's say day to day news stuff, which is something that we have shied away from in the past because we're a monthly, so it doesn't really translate too well. It's usually you know, kind of old, unless you're able to put a little bit of commentary on it and make it a unique piece that people want to read. And, and that's something that Jeremy's helped us out with quite a bit. So, Roberta, I want to um, ask you a little bit about Calgary. I should, this is a good time for us to say, too, that we um, we had planned right up until last night, we had planned to have Kate Jacobson, who is the host of the Alberta Advantage podcast on our panel today. Um, she is... Um, I, th I think she's born and raised in Calgary, or certainly she's been in Calgary for for quite a while, and she would be um, have a good uh, a lot to say about the Calgary Jewish community. But Roberta, could do you mind? Like you've been in Calgary now for several years. Uh, are you tapped into that community much in in Calgary? I, I know you're busy at, at the university and whatnot. Um, can you speak to Calgary's Jewish community at all? I can't too much, unfortunately, um, but I mean, the reality is I'm, I'm quite divided or separated from, from the Jewish community these days. The sense I have here, I mean, I knew it as a, as a kid. I knew the Edmonton one a little bit too, and they were always kind of these big city um, people who always had better fashion sense than we did and were better Jews than we were. But um, we were these small town little bumpkins before there was such a thing as the internet and we could know what was happening elsewhere. Um, but in Calgary, I mean, there's there's interesting dynamics, I think, that we could talk about in terms of the, the Jewish community community more broadly around real splits within um, both the religious side and the cultural side, I think, within the Jewish community. And I get the sense that in Calgary that those splits are actually quite real, that there are um, institutions, synagogues and others that um, are quite conservative or on the conservative side, um, both religiously and uh, politically. And then there are others that are, are much less um, conservative. Um, I, I mean, my sense is that there's not much of a community for kind of social justice Jews so much in, in Calgary, which is not surprising given the lack of social justice space for us anyway, um, for people anywhere in Calgary. Um, but I get a sense that the, the community is, is very diverse in that sense um, and really moves in, in different directions. We're really uh, hoping to have Kate here for this conversation too, but when we do have her on the show, we'll ask her about it. But essentially, as Jewish people, 
you have your office seen as living this life of having white privilege and in many cases you are but you're also in this sort of invisible minority group that has this shared history history of mass persecution that has lingered all the way through into the 21st century how do you reconcile that within yourself and how do you sort of navigate that in your everyday life as a Jewish person living where you live? So I'll start with you, Dan. Uh, well, I guess uh, like similar, similar to Jeremy, like because I went to a Jewish day school for so long, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of non-Jewish friends. So like outside of, you know, playing hockey, really, I didn't really interact with very many uh, non-Jewish people. So when I got to high school, that was kind of, eye-opening for me, you know, seeing all of these people that were not Jewish. And, and, uh, and I think because of that too, we kind of, um, uh, we stuck together and we remained a pretty tight-knit group. And I think that's pretty common in, in a lot of similar cultures. So like my, my best friends today are like the same guys I went to kindergarten with, you know, um, because we, we stuck together for so long like that. Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, and, and you do definitely kind of, when I was a kid, I definitely felt like, you know, when I was interacting with, with non-Jewish people or, or in, you know, the wider Edmonton culture, let's say, um, in the back of my mind, I'd be like, oh man, they have no idea I'm Jewish, like, you know, and, uh, and, and that's, it's an interesting thought process, I guess, for, for a kid to have, but, uh, but yeah. Um, in that moment where you, like, is that feeling of like, hey, this is kind of nice that they don't know? Uh, kind of cool. Um, I mean, I, I'll, I'd say it's less uh, cool now. Um, like, for instance, uh, and like Roberta was saying too, um, I, I do think there are some circumstances where it would be nice if I didn't have to tell people um, that I was Jewish. And unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, I guess, depending on the way you look at it, but like it, it comes up a lot with me because of my job. Um, you know, like when you're, when you're on a first date, for example, uh, you're going to talk about where you work. Um, and as much as, you know, it's probably better to not have to talk about religion and stuff like that on, on a first date, it is inevitable for me, um, which kind of sucks because then all of a sudden, you know, uh, I've had some circumstances where it's like, I'm like an, a zoo animal kind of, you know, um, <laughs> where for the next, however long it is usually shorter than longer, um, they'll just be nonstop questions about, you know, oh, we're at a restaurant. Oh, you know, they don't have kosher food here. It's like, yeah, I, I know. He's like, oh, you got bacon on that? Oh, you, you know, that's got pork, right? And like, yeah, I know. But <laughs> so that kind of stuff can definitely be, be trying. Um, but I think on a whole, I, I do enjoy it. I, I like that there's something, you know, different or unique about me. And that's what my Judaism is. And, uh, and it does, um, guide me in in most of what I do um, in terms of you know like uh, I don't want to get too uh, Jewish summer camp hippy dippy here but you know like tikkun olam and things like that you know uh, the idea that it's the Jewish people's responsibility to put the world back together I think is a pretty good guiding light for most people um, yeah and then in terms of privilege uh, I mean we we are lucky that we're able to uh, to not necessarily wear our Judaism or our minority status, you know, uh, on our faces or, or on our clothes. Um, and, uh, and I think as a whole, uh, 
Jewish people have used that to uh, to benefit society as opposed to um, you know do what the anti-Semitic trope would be, which is you know take advantage of people or or try and rule the world or, or whatever mishugas that is. Um, yeah, so that's uh, that's what I've got. I just I just want to say before I go to Roberta, if you're gonna do Jewish summer camp hippy dippy, like you, this is where you can't come to do it, my friend. Like. Just so let her let like, her rip. This is the shit. This is our haunt. Well, no, <laughs> speaking of like hippy dippy Jewish summer camp, do you listen to Fish? He just yeah. said, yeah. yeah. All night he was listening to I, Fish. I legit was listening to like a twenty-four minute uh, stash last night for some oh, reason. Nice. For no no particular reason. I was just like, oh yeah, this will this will be fun. This will get me into a talking about Judaism for a couple hours mood, you know? I, <laughs> I had no idea. It's coming out and, and the new season of Big Mouth is all Jewish summer camp. So I was like, oh, better listen to some fish and some dead and some beastie boys. And, you know. <laughs> um, have you seen Fish Live? Yeah, yeah. I saw them in, uh, in Miami uh, for a New Year's set. I think there were four or five shows. And oh, then I saw so them sad. at the Gorge once and it was pretty cool. Yeah. I, yeah, I've seen them a few times. And, I had like, a big honestly, afro, and, and um, people kept calling me Fluffball and stuff like that, or Fluffhead. <laughs> fluffhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if our listeners could see the glow on Jeremy's face <laughs> right now to My find people, a fellow uh, fan. <laughs> uh, Jeremy, yeah. you got to you gotta hook up with uh, Stacey Shaken, the guy who runs Can't Be Be Reback, because he absolutely loves jam music still to this day and he's like planning trips and seeing fish and and seeing whoever he can so oh i want to go to a hippie jam festival so badly (laughs) (laughs) so this is the only reason i came to my bar mitzvah is to keep us on topic so i'm gonna send this over to roberta now and i want you to tell us a little bit about the same uh, your sort of struggle with this or uh (laughs) conflict with like i like we were saying like you're you're white with white privilege but also not so much white with white privilege can you just kind of expand on your thoughts for us yeah absolutely i mean it's interesting um what dan says about growing up in a in a predominantly jewish community and and being surrounded by jews because i i mean i had the opposite experience as being the one of very few Jews within my schools or or elsewhere. And as a kid, it, it's kind of weird to have these things that set you apart, I think, and make you different. I'm already a redhead, which um, is weird as a Jew, but also bad as a kid where you get called carrot top and then they think they're hilarious by saying, no, you're a carrot bottom. Ha ha. My dad it's so has, stupid. My dad's a ginger kid. Really interesting. There's not many Jews that are, so it helps me pass, which is part of the conversation. But I think as a kid, it was difficult to be to be different in that sense. And so I kind of trained myself to to keep it quiet in some ways, except I was also proud of it. I mean, it's it's a weird conflict. I think it's a great way to, to phrase it because. I mean, it's very easy for me to pass. I'm a pale redhead. I do not look like a Jew in the typical fashion in any way. Um, and I often keep it quiet. I, I don't lead with my my Jewish identity. I very rarely tell people, in fact, until I, I know much about them or I have a sense of, of their politics or their positions. And there's a couple of reasons for that. I think, um, you know, the, the main one is really the difficulty of, of the 
current political state of, of Jewish politics, and we'll get to that later, so I won't talk too much about it now, but I don't want to admit to being Jewish among people who I know are concerned about the struggles of the Palestinians and to be identified as part of that group of, of oppressors um, legitimately is a concern for me. And we'll get back to that later. So I won't say more about that. But the other side of it is that there is a level of fear that, that I feel at, at all times because on the one hand, we can pass quite easily, especially me. I mean, I bet most people don't even know I'm Jewish except when they listen to things like this. Um, but every once in a while, and it, it actually isn't all that once in a while, we get real visceral reminders that people really hate us and that people want us dead. And that at the end of the day, even if I pass on a day-to-day -day basis and I'm, I don't have to face the same structural racism as people of color who can't pass in the same way, there are people who will kill me if given the opportunity and they wouldn't care one bit that I'm a pale redhead who doesn't really believe in God and, and doesn't care. At the end of the day, there are still people who think I'm wrong or think there's something wrong with us. And so there's always, I think, a tendency to, to kind of push a little bit and figure out where people are coming from before I admit to being Jewish. And I think some of that experience actually comes from the camp I went to in um, Pine Lake, where we had the Aryan nations across the, the lake from us. And, and it was very clear that they were keeping an eye on what we were doing. And, um, you know, and then we get things like um, Charlottesville, where people are walking through the streets chanting, like, kill the Jews. And then that spreads the Jews will not replace here. us. Right. The Jews will Which not is replace like, us. I don't mean to interrupt, but like how many Jews do they think there are? That I know. We're such a them? tiny population. Like they've done a pretty good job of wiping us out over the years. And so like we're not replacing anybody. But then and that if we spreads... were going to replace anybody, I don't think it would be there. We're Bam. more of yeah, a exactly. New York, LA type, you know? Oh, in the Middle East, which we'll get to. Yeah, maybe the Middle East, uh, New yeah. York, <laughs> other big places. You know, there's others. Charlottesville is not the biggest population. But then that spreads to Edmonton and Calgary, where you start to see these um, yellow vesters and um, others um, now with the, the sort of Aryan blood and the, the soldiers of Odin and these other groups, that they chant the same things. And, and you know, I, on a day-to-day -day basis, I, I can, you know, survive without too much uh, persecution. But as I said, at the end of the day, I know there are people out there who still would kill me if given the opportunity i have enough jewish blood in me so it's a it's a weird position i think to be in i'm gonna throw it over to jeremy here and i just want to kind of just set it up a little bit because just speaking of things that happened today like jeremy was our crime reporter in medicine hat before he um was temporarily laid off by COVID and has now moved to calgary on us but he was covering and it's now finished, although the accused is appealing his sentence, but a, a gentleman by the name of Loki Hulgard, who was charged with promoting hatred by going around and spending money with anti-Semitic messages on it and these kinds of things. And he had like guns and like serial numbered wiped off armor and is like, and he was like, ready to go. He was ready to go. And this is 2020 right this case just wrapped up so i'm going to throw it over to jeremy to just talk about this same kind of thing because it for me it's it seems like it would be interesting or have been 
uh, I want to hear what it was like as a Jewish person to cover the trial of somebody who clearly doesn't want you around. I mean, I don't know. I think maybe part of it is being a journalist, but I had, uh, you know, some level of like cold detachment from it. Like I, I because at, you know, the, the, the current moment, although these types of uh, ideas and sort of ancient hatreds are like bubbling to the surface, you know, a guy like Loki Holgard is, you know, fringe of the fringe, right? And, um, but, but to the original question, uh, what I, I, I want to add to that is that, you know, you know, we're probably the most severely uh, persecuted um, of the uh, different types of Jews. Um, can can pass for white, right? We have white privilege, but it's very uh, tenuous, right? It can be taken away at any moment. And as Roberta said, you're reminded of that periodically. And maybe I wouldn't be so, like, I, I can guarantee you, I wouldn't be so detached. Um, and obviously I took a particular interest in that whole guard case because I'm Jewish and, but in, he was, you know, promoting hatred against Jews, but um, if he had actually like done something, if he had actually, God forbid, uh, used those guns, uh, I think I'd be singing a very different tune on that, right? So that's always, you know, the way, you know, because my grandmother, of course, was, she was a teenager, right, when the Nazis came to power. So her entire teenage years, right, um, you know, when you're supposed to be, you know, going out and, you know, uh, having your first, like, romantic experience or going to shows and all that were, you know, completely taken away from you. So there is that, um, I think, on the one hand, quite reasonable uh, uh, feeling of being on a knife's edge. But it's also, um, I think we also need to recognize that this isn't Germany in the 1930s in that we are afforded uh, privileges that aren't afforded to uh, indigenous people or uh, Palestinians or black people, right? And um, I think that at least as I understand, you know, my personal uh, Judaism, it's uh, our history, is gives us reason to uh, promote social justice and stand up uh, for those who are oppressed, even if they're being oppressed by our cousins in the Mediterranean. Sky can't hear you. Great. Still can't hear nope. you. For fuck's sakes, okay. There you go. I wanted to just sort of allude to the fact that like, so when when we talk about your your white privilege and whatnot there are some of the some of the groups that hate you hate you because they don't think you have white privilege they think you are white privilege essentially right like you own the media you control everything you have there's eight of you and you run the whole world right so i mean it's a different kind of hatred they don't they don't want to keep you under their foot they think you're they think they're under your foot 
Right. Yeah. And anti-Semitism is in, in, in that regard, very uh, unique form of bigotry and perhaps uh, uh, Roberta and Dan can speak more to this. It's, I mean, they're inferior, right? It's saying that they're superior and that they're, they're a threat. Yeah. To white like, people, right? And historically, you got, I mean, the roots of anti-Semitism historically are, you know, uh, Jews were put in positions by society where a lot of them were money lenders because Christians, you know, couldn't charge interest to each other or whatever. And so Jews sort of stepped in and filled that void. And then once when people, you know, during revolutionary times, when people were fed up with the status quo, um, it was sort of an easy target for the powers that be to say, no, 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 you don't have a problem with us. You don't have a problem with like landowners and the entire system. It's, it's these Jews that are um, secretly controlling everything and um, they're the ones you got to go after. Right. And, and, and you and see that you today. That well, I, I just want to say, you see that today um, with Jews, right? With certainly, um, I, you know, I don't want to downplay modern anti-Semitism, but you see that especially with like Islamophobia and, uh, you know, even, you know, some TERFs, you know, trans, anti-trans bigots um, use similar rhetoric. Um, I think Barbara Kay um tweeted like this this quote that was like from a nazi about trans people that like um uh it's like to know who's in power in society you have to look at who you can't criticize and obviously that's like insane like trans people like no one has less power than trans people and um but you know and, and it's interesting seeing that coming from a, a jewish person like uh barbara k who's also written some pretty uh vile stuff about jews and money dan my friend yeah i mean i'm i'm always disgusted when i hear that kind of thing come from jewish people i mean it just it it makes no sense i mean um like, a, like for us to come from a place of persecution and to, to come from everything that we've come from and everything that we experience on, you know, for not everyone, but for a lot of us on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and then to come out and, and have views like that and to, um, to speak about them that way is just, it's so vile and I, I don't get it at all. Um, and then that doesn't even bring in like the, uh, the Holocaust connection. Like, you know, when you talk about quoting Nazis or, or taking a sympathetic view to certain like things that we know are associated with Nazism, I, I just think that even, even the most conservative Jewish person, that should be a line in the sand that you don't cross. And so I'm just, I'm thoroughly disgusted every time it happens. And it seems to happen, you know, more often than I'm comfortable with, let's say. Um, in terms of, of the, the white privilege, again, um, so something that I've always said to, to my friends, because I mean, this is a topic that comes up in Jewish circles quite a bit is, you know, wh what are we? And, um, and so we'll have the discussion, you know, are, are we white or, or are we not white? And I mean, obviously there are Jews of color as well. 
um, because you know, it, as a as a religion and as a culture, it kind of crosses borders. Um, and my my response always when friends of mine have said that we're white because look at us, we're white, uh, is well, the only people who really care about um, whether we're white or not, they do not consider us white, um, which is you know the 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 extremists, the white supremacists, um, you know the the neo Nazis, and uh, and. And I think that says a lot. I mean, in a lot of cases, you know, we're we're white until we're not. Let's say, you know, uh, and and I think that kind of crosses over into the evangelical realm as well, um, which is, you know, uh, you see more support, I think, for for Israel uh, from the evangelical base than you do from um, most Jewish bases. Let's say, I, uh, you know, Judaism. For the most part, is more of a left-wing religion than a right-wing religion. Um, so, yeah, I, I just always find that interesting. And I mean, obviously, the reason why evangelical uh, people do tend to to love Israel so much is because they want all of the Jews to get together and be in Israel so that you know Christ can come back and and get rid of us all, which is interesting. Um, and I well, know a lot of a lot of Jews are totally fine with it because you know you you kind of uh you take the help where you can get it i guess but i mean it's not something i necessarily agree with yeah in in i uh, the, I, it's also worth mentioning that sort of i guess the the younger more like alt-right type of neo-nazis like faith goldie and richard spencer are fanatical zionists right mm -hmm. i mean uh richard spencer i uh, is straight up says i'm a white zionist i want to create an america for white people what israel did for jews and i mean he <laughs> I, I i'm trying to think of a way to say this that can't be taken out of context but like <laughs> he's not wrong in in, in an intellectual sense right mm -hmm. um but uh yeah roberta what do you think about about which part <laughs> i have so many thoughts so about broad. <laughs> yeah i have so many thoughts about about what was said like i think i think the evangelical christian point is something really important to 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 flesh out slightly i won't talk about it too long but i think it's it's such a fascinating part about the current discussions about israel and about um other issues related to to judaism because as dan said you know most of the support for israel right now is actually from these evangelical christian organizations they're the ones that pushed for the embassy to be moved from tel aviv to jerusalem most jewish groups know this is ridiculous and terrible idea um and, and I think that's important to keep in mind when we talk about issues related to Israel. I think, you know, Dan also brought up this important question and, and it related to, to Jeremy's point about Jews who, who use kind of this, this rhetoric and this, this um, kind of anti-Semitic anti um, language or, or, or framing. And I think, you know, when I was growing up, I had this very naive sense of, of Jews as kind of splitting into two groups. And I, I now have a much more nuanced sense of it, but I think it still holds in, in lots of ways. And that I've said this before, and that 
you know, there's the one group of Jews who say, you know, we've been persecuted our whole entire existence, and we should therefore care strongly and deeply about the persecution of others. And we should fight for equality and human rights and make sure we're all protected instead of facing these moments of, of crisis and discrimination. And then there's, I feel, another group of, of Jews that say, you know, we've been persecuted our whole entire existence. So basically, fuck all y'all and we'll take care of ourselves and screw you. And I, I mean, that may be a little harsh to say in some sense, but I, I think it is fair in in the way that these debates often play out that you know the the pro-zionist jews for instance um don't seem to care too much about who lived in that territory before they got there um and basically saying like well you know we need a safe space and we're going to protect it at all costs and screw the rest of you and then on the other hand you have others who tend to be much more social justice oriented dan says they're the majority i i i'm not sure these days i mean i feel like when jews moved from being working class people coming from primarily eastern europe but elsewhere into more middle and upper class positions became kind of more privileged i think the politics changed and i think that the of course the holocaust changes a lot of those politics and more zionists emerge out of that but i you know there's that weird debate and divide that's happening in there that i i think is is interesting to consider. And then the, the last thing I just want to say that that kind of connects back a, a few comments ago is that, you know, Jews were forced into positions that society wanted them to play that nobody else would or could play. So we were the money lenders. That's all we were allowed to do. And then they turned on us, right, and said, well, we don't want to pay interest to you assholes. Uh, sorry, we made you do that job, but now we're going to kill you all for it. And I feel like that's very similar in so many ways to how other groups are often treated in society in that we exploit them for the jobs or the roles that we don't want to do. And I think we see that that play out so many times. I think it then becomes frustrating when Jews are seen as this kind of superior race that controls the world and has the, you know, the puppet masters of the of everything. On the one hand, I'd like to know where my invitation is for that group because I've been waiting, you know, 43 years for it to arrive and and nobody's called me to to join that group. But on the other you hand, also lost in the mail. Yeah, it I must guess have been. I joined the wrong Jewish family, obviously. I, I didn't. That's why I joined. I got nothing out of it. You didn't even the get the access are. to the world control system. But well, on the other hand, we control every system except for the mail, which is what the issue is. Right. I guess <laughs> well, that's, that's why we got to get rid of the post office. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. We got to get rid of the post office. That's the problem. And I mean that very sarcastically. I love the post office. <laughs> Expand the post office. Um, but yeah, I think the frustrating banking. part is that one, I didn't get an invitation, but two. What, like you forced us, I mean, you in the big kind of you historical sense forced us, yeah, you particularly, Scott, forced us into these roles that then you persecute us for. And it's like, like that's a big fuck you to everybody. Like I, I wouldn't have been a money lender. Like why couldn't I have been a whatever else, but I couldn't have been. So it's, it's this frustrating position I think Jews play in, in modern society in this weird historical sense too. Yeah, and I think that that sort of um, those two poles of uh, Judaism that you described, Roberta, between those who 
see our history of persecution and say, we need to make sure this happens to no one ever again. And those who let's persecute people <laughs> in, in those who see our persecution, our history of persecution and say, uh, we just need to look out for ourselves. I think that that from my experience occurs on a spectrum, right? That I think most Jews are somewhere in the middle, um, which I, you know, I find regrettable. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I also think that there's a generational divide between the sort of old guard, right? People like our parents' ages who grew up in the shadow of the Holocaust. And, um, you know, I mean, when they were growing up, there are still people who supported the Nazis during the war, like around, right? And, you know, I think it made it hard for them, for people of that generation to recognize that they are in a relatively privileged position. And I think you see with the younger generation um, a lot more returning to these uh, social justice oriented roots. And that's not reflected in the leadership, quote unquote, um, you know, the three organizations you see quoted in like every story to do with Israel who just think like everything's anti-Semitic. That's B'nai B'rith, Sija, and Friends of the Simon Wiesenthal Center. And I mean, you know, they claim to be Jewish organizations and I mean, they have those institutional links and all that, but I think that they're more representative of their donors than they are of uh, Jewish people like us. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, see that anecdotally, like even like young, uh, and, you know, obviously I'm, celebrity culture is you know problematic but you but you see that with like like natalie portman and like seth rogan like young like very jewish and natalie portman's case very israeli um you know public figures saying yeah what, what israel's doing is wrong right we were lied to and, and 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 the only reason i bring that up is i think that's reflective of a broader trend in the younger generation of jewish people well, the good news is, is you've all brought up the second topic of the day here anyway. So I'm just going to outline that quick and then just let you guys get going again. But this is essentially what we wanted to talk about today was sort of how do you navigate like sort of how what kind of Jew are you supposed to be, I guess. Right. Like and who are you supposed to uh, um, support and how much so and you have mostly white Christian people telling you uh, you're not Jewish enough if you have criticisms of uh, Israel and these kinds of things. And I just want to ask you guys sort of how you navigate that in your everyday lives. And uh, I know I don't know much uh, about Dan's thoughts, but I know both Jeremy and Roberta have had criticisms politically of, of Israel in the past, and maybe have groups of some Jewish people and others like white Christian men telling you uh, you're wrong for feeling that way. And I just want to let you guys uh, speak to that a little bit. So go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah. So there's this sort of um, notion that Judaism and Israel are one in the same in that if you're criticizing Israel, you're against us and you're with them. Um, and 
um, you know, and I think in a sense that is anti-Semitic to define what Judaism means to us. And, and, and I think I would be remiss if we didn't talk a bit about the, uh, the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism that the three organizations I mentioned before uh, successfully uh, pushed the Canadian government to uh, adopt and the Ontario government just, uh, they didn't order in council, right? They didn't even want to have debate on it. Um, and, and so the IHRA uh, definition of anti-Semitism is, uh, the actual definition itself is like totally vague and like meaningless. Like, um, I, you, you, I, I'm sure Dan, you're very familiar with IHRA definition. What about you, Roberta? Oh, you, you're not familiar. Well, okay, so it's this working definition of anti-Semitism. Uh, let me read it out for you. Anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews, which may be expressed as hatred towards Jews. Rhetorical and physical manifestations of anti-Semitism are directed to Jewish or non-Jewish individuals and or their property toward Jewish community institutions and religious facilities. That to me doesn't mean anything. Right. It's like anti-Semitism is uh, whatever it is. Right. It's it's how we define it. And so whatever, it's vague. Right. It doesn't really mean a whole lot. But then you get into they have 11 examples of things that are anti-Semitic and seven of these. So more than half pertain to Israel specifically. And some of them, like, fair enough, like holding Jews collectively responsible uh, for the actions of the state of Israel is anti-Semitic. I, I agree with that. But then there's one in particular that I find especially troubling. Um, and that is denying the Jewish people their right to self-determination. Example, by claiming that the existence of a state of Israel is a racist endeavor. Um, I would say that in my view, the state of Israel is the racist endeavor, as is Canada, right? You know, the United States, etc. And, um, you know, B'nai B'rith and Sija and are openly saying that we need this definition to um, define anti-Zionism as a form of anti-Semitism. But historically, I mean, Zionism is a very uh, recent phenomenon, right? Like pre-Holocaust, Zionists were seen as like crackpots. Um, and, you know, um, the sort of self-hating Jew trope, um, which is now weaponized against Jews who support justice for Palestinians. Um, I think, you know, that was, I, I think, more the perception of Zionists pre-Holocaust. And uh, also the, the, the founder of Zionism, an Austrian fellow by the name of Theodor Herzl, if you read his writings, uh, what he has to say about Jews is very anti-Semitic, right? I mean, he just accepts all the anti-Semitic tropes. He's like, but they're good. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's enough about me rambling about uh, this uh, conflating uh, anti-Zionism and uh, harsh criticism of Israel with anti-Semitism. And I uh, uh, wanted to hear uh, your perspectives on it, uh, Dan and Roberta. Sure. I mean, uh, 
something that I always find interesting about um, the debate about Israel uh, is uh, the is is the idea that because we're Jewish, we can't criticize the Israeli government or things that Israel does, which to me uh, goes like a hundred percent against everything I know about Judaism, which is to question things, to debate things, to discuss things, uh, not to to give any person or anything just carte blanche and say that it's 100% correct no matter what it does. Uh, so should the Israeli government be criticized? Absolutely. I don't love this Netanyahu government. I, I mean, I, I think the majority, or I, I think quite a few Jewish people don't agree with a lot of what's going on in Israel right now. Um, and, and it is difficult because in a lot of Jewish circles, you are viewed as a self-hating Jew, like you were saying, if you do criticize Israel. But in my mind, I, I think being able to criticize Israel is, is an important tenet of Judaism. So, I mean, at, at the newspaper, I mean, we've always tried to, and I, I hate to be this Jew kind of, but, uh, you know, we take a nuanced approach to, uh, to the Middle East in Alberta Jewish news. Um, but we, we honestly do. We, uh, you know, a lot of our readers are Zionists. Um, a lot of the organizations we deal with are Zionist organizations. Um, so we do give them a voice. And at the same time, we do, uh, when we choose articles about the Middle East, we try and, and choose ones um, that do offer a balanced perspective. Um, you know, as an organization, we, we do sympathize with the Palestinian people. Um, and, and we you know, we think that should be the goal, which is, you know, peace in the region, somehow, uh, that's above my pay grade. Um, uh, but in, in particular, you know, uh, equal rights and human rights for the Palestinian people, um, while at the same time, um, you know, I, I also wouldn't support a mass displacement of the Israeli people either, right? Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's the take we, we have on it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I, the Israeli question is, is so challenging on, on so many levels because, you know, it, there's so much history and, and so much disagreement. And I think, you know, Dan raises such an important point about the ability to criticize a government as something different than criticizing a whole religion or culture or people that, you know, I, I am also Canadian and I can criticize my government. It's my democratic right. It doesn't make me anti-Canadian, although Canada's fake, just as a side there. But um, I think, you know, there's, there's a democratic right and responsibility to be able to criticize governments. And I also think Dan makes a super important point about the whole basis of the Jewish faith, which is a questioning religion. It's one of the things I actually, aside from the fact that I don't believe in God, I think is the, the thing I hold on to the most about Judaism is that we're trained to question everything. Every book is meant to, to question and, and nobody says we have the answer. It's an ongoing debate and question. And I think that's why I'm an academic in some ways that a lot of Jews are academics because we we get that training and so why can we not turn that on a government that has been takes particular policies and and that doesn't mean saying the whole state needs to to disappear but to challenge the government now that said i also 
have such a hard time with this issue because I used to fight a lot about it. I would, you know, I have uh, family members in particular who are kind of the epitome of the, the privileged, wealthy, conservative Zionist Jews. And, and we, we all... used to fight a lot about this, especially when kind of email first started and then Facebook, I'm dating myself now, I'm sorry, but we would have these fights over email and then later Facebook where they would post these very pro-Israeli, anti-Palestinian pieces. And I would post something in response that would say, yeah, but look at what the, the Israeli government has done or, or whatever. And it would turn into these nasty, horrible fights. And, and I, I got to a point where I just like, I just couldn't do it anymore. I just like, they weren't going to change their minds. I wasn't going to change my mind. And so I stopped and I have largely tried to avoid the subject. And this is a terrible position to take. I know um, especially as somebody who likes to fight about everything and debates lots of different things. I avoid the Israeli-Palestinian conversation as much as humanly possible. And I, I mean, I want to say here quite specifically that I strongly support the Palestinians. I oppose the Zionistic apartheid state that's been developed in Israel. I'm not saying that the state needs to disappear, but I want to say that, that that's what it is. My position is I, I talk about it in the new book that I'm going to publish next year um, because I, I talk about Jewish socialism and the Jewish labor bund and, and kind of positions that change after the Holocaust around Zionism. But honestly, I'm afraid to engage in this topic. I, it, it is a shit show. There is no way to have a reasonable and rational conversation in the 21st century about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And I think that's really problematic. I think we have reached a point where you're anti-Semitic if you criticize Israel. You're a self-hating Jew if you um, you know, support the Palestinian um, struggle. And yet, you know, it's the reality that the Israelis did displace a whole population that lived in that region. They have isolated them into these horrible zones where nothing is possible. And then they wonder why people are angry and upset. And it's just gotten to a point where it's impossible, especially as a Jew, I think, to have these conversations. And so unfortunately, I I don't engage. This is the most I've talked about it in public probably since I was, you know, 20. And it's it's a weird thing that we we should be able, I think, to have conversations in a reasonable and rational way about what we're going to do about this because it has to stop. And I, I guess that's where I should probably stop because I get on these rants. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I think part of that is speaking out and let the the chips fall where they may. Like, okay, like a bunch of Trump supporters want to call me anti-Semitic. Like, go for it. Go for it. Like, I know the underlying principles under which I'm operating, and I know what they're operating under, and I would put mine against theirs, like, any day. Um, but I, I think that there's a certain tendency among circles that are more critical of Israel to hyper-focus on Netanyahu and Likud. Um, because, I mean, Netanyahu is a uniquely vile uh, human being. But these issues um, with the displacement of Palestinians and settlements, I mean, they happened under labor governments too, right? Under the, the supposed Israeli peace camp, right? And so I, I do think it's important to not, like, again, like we should be criticizing uh, Netanyahu in particular, but 
um, you know, I, I think we should also listen to Palestinians just as um, we are listening to black voices and indigenous voices. And, you know, to them, Zionism is in itself a threat to their existence, whether it's right wing or, um, you know, more social democratic. And, um, but, but regardless, I mean, I think um, those of us who are critical of Israel, even if we're not necessarily on the exact same page as it pertains to like Zionism writ large, need to, uh, uh, you know, stand up for each other and to um, have a debate go, get a debate going. Like, I think that, um, you know, I, 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 I think that uh, it's, you know, morally uh, impingent upon us as Jews, as I alluded to before, to put pressure on Israel to become a true democracy that isn't um, exclusive towards Jews. And I think we can uh, debate, you know, the merits um, and the efficacy of like boycotts and divestment and sanctions, but with the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, that's just taken off the table. And it's like, no, you can you can criticize Israel, but you have to do it in ways that um, these pro-Israel lobbying organizations find acceptable. And I think we should be trying to push that discussion, um, uh, you know, to shift the Overton window away from uh, what these organizations that are increasingly tone deaf um, are putting forward. Yeah, I mean, I, I just, I, I think, and <laughs> this, is a, this is a weird kind of uh, related comment to what Roberta was saying too, is uh, when, when Jeremy and Scott brought this up, uh, having having the podcast all together, uh, the only thing that was going through my mind was like, please don't let it just be about Israel. Don't let it just be about Israel. Don't <laughs> let it just be about Israel, because it's uh, it is it is tricky to talk about. And um, like you were saying, there's no real uh, winning outcome. Um, it's it's a lose lose, <laughs> almost no matter no matter uh, the way you take it. And I I remember some of those Facebook arguments too. Um, and they just they they turn so quickly, and uh, and some of it is is so ingrained because of uh, of the way we grew up in certain Jewish circles and Jewish organizations, and we're taught certain things, you know, that like Israel is the only democracy in the region, or um, uh, you know that it's uh, that you know just things like that 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 definitely devalue Palestinian life, and uh, and it's it's not a great it's not a great way to to start your your conversation on the topic, which is uh, sadly how how it kind of does start in a lot of in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, but I mean this this hasn't been the worst conversation about Israel I've had, so you know, <laughs> take it. No, one of the is. better ones. In, yeah, in, in, in my experience. Um, I, I mean, we're we're missing a uh, uh, a voice that's a strong advocate, or um, yeah. or that uh, that is a Netanyahu booster or something like that. I I will say I think. Um, and I and you did see this a little bit uh, while while Sharon was prime minister too. Is you are seeing I think a lot more Jews who are being critical of the Netanyahu government. I mean, it's so easy right now 
um, even out, outside of uh, the practices of the government, just the fact that they're heading towards another election that they just cannot get their shit together. I mean, has been something that's very easy for people to, to grasp onto. I mean, with Sharon, it was different. With Sharon, when he was elected, you know, immediately a lot of Jewish people um, were just like, well, this guy's a warmonger. This is a terrible idea. Um, but Netanyahu, a, a little bit different, but I mean, we're, we're seeing, I mean, the connection between Netanyahu and Trump and, you know, whatever crazy shit his son is up to and, and stuff like that. I, it's, uh, yeah, can we, can we talk about Yair Netanyahu a bit? Oh my God. Cause he's like, I, I, you probably don't know this Roberta, um, but he's like an alt-right, like yeah, shit. He's, he's a neo-Nazi. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, he posts like Pepe's and like, um, Jews can be fascists and too. like Rothschild it's... shit. And yeah. 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 Nice. nice. Um, he's uh, yeah. He, I mean, and I think, you know, and, and you know, I, I'm concerned that this is the future of Israel. And it seems to me that with the younger generations um, in Israel and in the diaspora, they're, they're drifting apart, right? Whereas I think a lot of younger uh, Jews are sort of embracing those uh, social justice and like trade unionist and anti-war roots. Whereas the younger generation in Israel seems to be drifting towards fascism, right? Um, I mean, I, I saw a poll recently because as Dan said, Israel's entering its like what, like fifth election in like Something two like that. years? Something like fourth or, or fifth, yeah. Yeah, and the the second biggest party after Leek Hood, which is the, right, they're like Israel's like conservative party, um, which means they're, you know, a bit more conservative than I think what, we understand as conservatism, though maybe not so much in Alberta, but um, the second biggest. Party oh yeah, the second biggest party is to the right of Likud, like right. And is it not and, blue and white anymore? No, they're they've tanked in the polls because they oh, just okay. um, right. Benny Gantz, who is himself a war criminal, um, is totally capitulated to Netanyahu, right? He's like his defense minister. Well, it's worth it's worth saying too. The only difference between blue and white and Likud, and until now that I guess they they've lost some popularity. But the only difference between the two of them was that blue and white hated Netanyahu. I mean, yeah. other than hating Netanyahu, all of their policies and everything was exactly the same. You know, right? They also supported annexing the uh, occupied mm -hmm. West Bank, um, and you know, all these elections could have been avoided if the the joint list of Arab parties, which I think is like the, in, in that poll I saw where I think the third or fourth biggest, um, because all the sort of smaller Arab in uh, like socialist or communist parties sort of uh, um, united under one banner, um, if they were brought into the government coalition, there would be no, there would be no need to keep having elections actions but that's like a that's like a third rail in israeli politics right because they're so thoroughly demonized as being aligned with israel's enemies um i know we're going really long uh i wanted to okay i think there's an interesting parallel though between israel and alberta do you guys like obviously we're not we don't have to join the military in alberta though you know after wexit we'll uh 
have to see about we that. We definitely are going to have to join our token military after Wigs. Well, we don't we don't know too. what the Alberta Police Service is going to look like, so I don't think yeah, we should uh, we should make any guesses. Yeah, but but there's this. I just mean in terms of like this like psyche that everyone is out to get us, that we're being unfairly singled out that we right like in alberta our oil is the most ethical in the world right and you know it, i mean israel's booster is called the idf the world's most moral army um which is itself i think an oxymoron um but um and i mean jason kenny is a fanatical zionist right he's one of these like i mean he's not evangelical he's some like weird like opus day catholic but well like he was an honoree at uh at b'nai brith dinners and and you know things like that so i mean he's a, he's a mainstay at all of those things yeah exactly and um i, I from living in alberta and hearing the rhetoric of politicians i think my friend uh, michael buker um with canadians for justice peace in the middle east has written about this that it's a lot of the same uh us versus them mentality of course uh the difference is besides militarism as of now that Jews have this long history of the most horrendous persecution, whereas Alberta has a long history of, uh, shall we say, uh, pretending Nazi. that we're persecuted. Well, pretending that we're persecuted, <laughs> but also, I mean, the government of Alberta during the Second World War, and Roberta uh, can speak to this more, were pro Nazi, right? Like uh, Ernest Manning and, uh, you know, uh, Bible Bill Aberhart. I mean, these guys I mean, the are whole basis of social credit is a, is a theoretical economic um, uh, system, as stupid as it is, it's actually grounded in the anti-Semitic sense of a, of a global conspiracy theory um, or a global conspiracy to, to control world finance. And that the only way to, to bypass that was to create our own social credit. So the whole party was actually core value was anti-semitic and they that played out quite a bit until after the holocaust when you know it became a little less cool to be that that directly anti-semitic anyway and so less long cool. history here as cool yeah damn those nazis made it really uncool yeah man it used <laughs> to be cool jerks. to be anti it used to be cool to be anti-semitic now it's not cool anymore now it's not cool <laughs> But yeah, there's a long tradition of anti-Semitism in a province that's straight, like, I mean, it has such a small Jewish population. Clearly, the Jewish population is not controlling the oil, the, um, you know, the federal government, all the things. But there's this weird, um, you know, real sense of anti-Semitism built into this province and in really core ways, I think, that never disappeared, even with social credit. Like you were saying, I mean, at Pine Lake, it was, you know, at the front of everyone's mind, you know, you know, we're just outside of Red Deer. We know where we are in this province and in this country, and it's kind of crazy. I mean, a, a lot of people are very surprised to learn that there's a Jewish summer camp in the middle of, like, rural Alberta, you know? Yeah, that's, I mean... Count me in. <laughs> I mean, all of these Jewish summer camps are, you know, in rural areas where there aren't any Jews. Um, Is but... Jewish summer camp at all like band camp? Have you seen Wet Hot American Summer? Yes. Yeah, that's All based right. on their experiences at Jewish summer camp, loosely. All right. All right. That's fair. 
<laughs> so listen, we did go, we have gone long and we probably should wrap up here and get out of here, but um, let's just kind of go around and, and give a, a final thought on everything. I, I do want to quickly ask, like, cause do you think Jason can, is Jason Kenny then one of these, get all of you to the homeland so we can hurry up and bring Jesus back kind of, kind of white Christian guys? I mean, that's my sense, not in the in the evangelical going out and trying to convert us all to Christianity or any that kind of thing. But my sense is he's one of the ones that that really believes the the story of Revelation, which is that once all the Jews are are in Israel, the the apocalypse will happen and and Jesus can come back and and rule again. Um, and so while I don't think he's in the same camp as some of these evangelicals, um, my sense is um, what do they call them the millennarian that's it that's the word i always try and say millennial but that's a different thing entirely but these people who who believe that that the apocalypse is coming and that we need to create the context for that my guess is he would fit into that camp i mean like the the language he uses in in like his holiday addresses to jewish people i think uh is very very telling that he he is in that kind of camp um it's uh we in in the office in the Jewish office, we would say that it's uh, particularly goyish. <laughs> <laughs> well, Casey Ma- Maddews was the best. Like, oh, yeah. Congratulations yeah. On, on Yom Kippur. Thank <laughs> you for atoning for your sin. Way to be sorry, never, guys. Never had such a joyous Yom Kippur in my life. Never, yeah. never. I mean, the most joyous. If there was the culture that was going to celebrate a day where you're all sorry for shit, it would be the Jewish people. I'm sorry, but that's just. It's true. And it's just, like the most important day of the year. That's right. like, you would make a all big we want to do is apologize. No, I yeah. will say not eating for the whole day is, is not very Jewish. So that's true. It should be the opposite, but then we get to eat lots afterwards. Then, so yeah. We make then up then you eat so much that you're sick. So yeah, I just good. wanted to say, I love that. I live in a city now where you can get like a real bagel. <laughs> Which place did you go to? This is I how, went to Jew- how Jewy is this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's very Jewy, but so I mean, my they- my favorite is uh is Montreal Bagels, um which is uh just down the street from like where Glenmore Landing is and and stuff like that. So that's and it's it's got like a real soup Nazi vibe to it, where like you pay <laughs> cash, you wait in line, you get your bagels, they're amazing, but then you keep leave. your mouth shut. Yeah. There's a good Jewish deli too down on I want to say 12th or 11th near the near the Stampede grounds. Is that Grumman's? Or no? Yes, yeah. and they have a really good um, Montreal smoked meat, but also really good uh, pickles and such like good Jew food. Ball soup. And advertiser <laughs> advertiser plug. So yeah, advertiser the plug. Jewish. They uh, they're an advertiser in Alberta Jewish News, and uh, nice. they do have really really excellent food. We'll, we'll just Hell make yeah. that the opening quote. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess I'll I will um sort of uh start the uh conclusions with I, I think that like all um faiths and ethnicities and cultures that with Judaism it's what you make of it and that there you know there's the good and the, the bad, right? There are good people who are Jews. Like I don't know what it means to be a good Jew. Um but I think that there are good people who are Jewish and there are bad people who are Jewish. There are and, good people on both sides. Yeah. I, well, I mean, sure. To quote Donald um, Trump. Yeah. <laughs> Proud Jewish uh, grandparent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, and I think it's what you make of it. And I don't want anyone to think that I am saying what it means to be Jewish writ large. I, I'm not a rabbi. Um, I just talking about my own uh, personal um, experience and how I perceive um, things to be. Um, oh, I was going to say something about my upbringing, but oh yes, that's right. When like when I was a kid, I fucking loved Bible stories. My kindergarten teacher uh, thought I was going to be a rabbi. Um, and I think what I liked about them was this sense that we're building up to something, right? Something is, you know, through all the hardship and suffering and persecution that there is light at the end of the tunnel, that good people are going to get what they deserve and the wicked will get their desserts. And I think that sense of morality is something that was deeply instilled with me and maybe not the way my parents and certainly not their parents um, would have liked, but it is, uh, I, I do think my Jewish upbringing um, did uh, provide me with a very valuable uh, moral compass that I do hope to pass on to, you know, the next generation if I even, there even is an generation. Um. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think my experience with being Jewish has been um, very strange in some ways. I think it's so much part of who I am and who I became as a person, but also it's such a small part in some ways. And it's it's something you, I, I am very proud of, but also very, not ashamed is the wrong word, but very sensitive about maybe. And and it's a, it's a weird position to be in. Um, but I think, you know, Judaism offers so many interesting things to the world that are not just about religion and not just about debates over, um, you know, what the, the Torah means or, or any of those things. I think, you know, the cultural aspects of Judaism make it really unique as a, as a religion. And, and even if you don't necessarily believe in the religious parts, there's a lot to, to get from it. And I think the community is, is wonderful. And so I think, you know, it's, it's a, it's been a weird part of my life and I, I'm not really sure how to, to summarize in any clear way. Yeah, for me, I mean, uh, Judaism is, you know, it's a part of my daily life because it's part of, you know, my work life and, you know, I can't turn my, my brain off. Um, I do sometimes think it might be nice to uh, to experience life maybe for a day as a non-Jewish person and like have my brain going at half of the pace that it's usually going at <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I mean, I think it's been a very positive part of my life. I mean, like I said, my my childhood friends from from Jewish play school are still my best friends to this day, um, and that's uh, that's a really important part of um, of my culture and of, of who I am. And uh, you know, there's nothing I can do about it, so I'm I'm stuck with it. So here we are. <laughs> well, I gotta tell you, as like a 
as an outsider looking in, you guys have the best stereotypes, honestly. Like, you know, I'm way, way too confident. I'm shit with money. You know, I want to, I want to, like, I, I'm missing out on all the good stuff. Like, I am also shit with money. Oh, are you? Oh, damn it. Roberta, awesome. you're pretty good with money, aren't you? No? Yeah. No, my, my I brother just make money. money. <laughs> I just That's... ended up in a job that pays me well, but aside from that, no. <laughs> no. I don't have anything left, so <laughs> yeah. I, apparently not. Yeah. Um, but listen, I want we got to wrap up. Uh, I, I want to say thank you to you guys for coming. Um <laughs> just thinking i'm like if you want to have a podcast that runs overtime just invite every jewish person you know and ask them literally any question about literally any topic but for me that's as why a, i said you don't need to worry about us right? filling the time like give us yeah. one question yeah. and we'll be good <laughs> no, I, I actually thought i thought it would be a bit longer um i thought that with three jews here we would each speak for like an hour so <laughs> imagine if we would have had cake yeah. yeah oh yeah that would be like four hours for sure <laughs> We're talkers. We're it a talking community. A <laughs> I honestly, it's great. And I, it's really interesting stuff for me. I've like, Roberta can attest, like I was just like fascinated by the culture when, when I met her family, uh, everything from the things that I thought were amazing to the things I thought were ridiculous. Like you don't celebrate Christmas. What the fuck, man? It was like the only time of year I got anything, you know? And I was like, you guys just don't do that. And then I was like, eight nights, never mind. <laughs> like, you know, so anyway, I, uh, it, it's been something that's, I've always been interested in and listen to you guys chat today about um, your past and, and some of the issues that pertain to both the Jewish culture and just the world today. Uh, it was really interesting for me. So I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. Um, before I let you guys go, I want to give Dan a chance to plug um, anything that you guys got going or um, talk a little bit more about Alberta Jewish news before we let everybody run. Sure. So uh, we just printed our uh, our big Hanukkah editions for Edmonton and Calgary. So we're on a little bit of a break um, print wise um, for Alberta Jewish News. But you can you know follow us on Twitter. I think our our handle is AB Jewish News. I want to say, uh, and uh, we're on Facebook as well. And then we've got our website albertajewishnews.com. Uh, we have a, an e newsletter that we do every week as well called Alberta Jewish Schmooze. Um, <laughs> which you're gonna sign up for that yeah thank you everyone for laughing at that <laughs> and uh and yeah that's uh that's what we've got going on uh we try and update the website as much as we can uh we feature some writing from jeremy i imagine when roberta's book comes out that we'll have a book review or something like that in our page yeah. as well <laughs> and uh and yeah and then um i'll also plug briefly our sister newspaper which is alberta native news uh which is the uh one of the uh, largest indigenous newspapers in Western Canada. Um, we've been publishing for about 35 years now, and uh, you can find us on Facebook, Alberta Native News, and also albertanativenews.com. And uh, Jeremy does some writing for that one as well. That's awesome. And we will include all of that stuff in links in the show notes as well. Um, Roberta, thank you to you for being here today and thank you so much for letting me be part of your family for the last like 30 years as well uh, it's it's honestly been a treat from from day one well i don't know if that's true but okay you're welcome <laughs> maybe if we could close uh 
what 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 were your Torah portions? Oh Jesus! <laughs> I have no In clue. Mine, I, Do you I know actually, how mine... old I am, Jeremy? <laughs> My bat mitzvah was twenty-one years ago. <laughs> ah, there you go. Keep it. Uh, Dan's gang is Yamakon. Um, mine just interesting. 31 years ago my, my bar mitzvah is it was on my birthday which is uh you know pretty uncommon i think um you know normally happens around the time of your birthday but not your 13th or 12th if you're a girl birthday um my portion was bereshi genesis the first Ooh. one um and in the and- beginning Yes, and you so got my, to say, and in the beginning. Well, no, because it was in it was in you know, well Arabia. in Hebrew, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, you mentioned that my it was also the World Series, um, as it often is around time of my birthday, and my rabbi made a really cringe joke about it being God's big inning, <laughs> and that's it. that. That's what I got. We, we're gonna go now because Mo turned his camera on, so you can tell that that's like the you guys. Wait, Here Dan, what was your Torah portion? So, Dan, what was your I, Torah portion? I I have no idea. How, honest, well, bad, I guess, bad Jew. <laughs> I guess it's just because mine was like. Your yeah, I mean yours is bare that's, that's a big deal. You yeah. Know? yeah. Mine was about like the uh, the size of poles that you can use to make a sukkah. You know, it's not very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> practical information that's yeah. important all right so you guys are all coming back for the passover special event because oh, we, have, yeah. we we'll clearly have more to talk about so we're going to do that but listen it's the time we, in the we show call right said actually not a special scott <laughs> see i'm learning you guys i'll be i'll have my shit together for uh, april it's april right maybe march okay, scott, april. Say it after it me. depends on the moon say it after me <laughs> no don't <laughs> don't do it <laughs> Baruch, barack obama <laughs> yeah perfect okay happy awesome. hanukkah everybody anyways <laughs> listen it's the time of the show we got to thank those of our patrons who go above and beyond for us um we actually want to say to chris derwell to big red machine and to dave bond miller thank you so much and we have a gift on the way for you guys a little christmas gift um and Christmas gift, holiday gift. Jesus, Christmas we're on gift. the Hanukkah special, and you just call it Christmas. Christmas. We're gonna, we're gonna fucking redo that. So anyway, to Chris Derwell, to Big Red Machine, to Dave Bond Miller, we want to say thank you to everything you guys do, and we have a little uh, Hanukkah holiday gift for you on the way. Um, uh, you may have seen the uh, picture of the mugs on Twitter, but we got a little present for you guys coming and, uh, to show our appreciation for everything you do. If any of you else out there want to get in on getting a mug, sign up for a patronship right now, join us. You know, you want to smash five-star review, share this stuff with your friends, come back and listen to us next week. Happy Hanukkah, happy holidays. Love you guys. Take care. See you next week. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. (laughs) Bye. Shalom. Bye.